0: Support for Food Friday Leftovers comes from Berkshire Co-op Market, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, a community-owned natural grocery store dedicated to sustainable agriculture, the local economy, and the environment. Working within the community to better Berkshire County, one basket at a time. (music) Berkshire.coop Welcome
1: to Food Friday Leftovers,
2: a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday.
1: I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer,
2: and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry.
1: Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week.
2: This week, we've got bangers and mash. We are talking with Chef Rob Handel and Carol Clement of Heatheridge Farm. They joined us for episode 31 with Pickling and episode 11, Farmers Markets. And today, you're talking with us about Irish food. So, uh, my first question has to do with bangers and mash because it's one of my favorite dishes. Can you give us some tips on how to make the perfect bangers and mash
0: sure so uh you need to start with the perfect bangers um of course i would recommend heather ridge farms uh bangers uh we make them right on. it'd be on weird the... if you didn't uh, of course uh you know i have to give the plug so uh we make them right on the farm we raise pastured heritage breed pork and then uh we have a recipe that carol developed After making several trips back and forth to Ireland and, uh, you know, bringing the sausage over to get the family approval before we uh, pulled the trigger on it.
3: And they said that I had the flavor just right, but I had too much meat in it. In Ireland, since it's been Hmm. traditionally a poor country, they would put in a lot of filler, breadcrumbs or flour or something like that, to stretch the meat. So there's a little bit of breadcrumbs in ours, which gives the texture it should have, but... It's it interesting that
1: the flavor was right, though, even though yeah. the ingredients were a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the fillers that are used are pretty mild flavored, so it's mostly the spicing that they're looking for to get gotcha. that flavor. Um, so if you're going to make your bangers and mash, uh, make a batch of mashed potatoes. There's no special way to do that, you know, your favorite mashed potato recipe. And then uh, I would take a pan and cook the bangers. Um Let the bangers uh, set them aside to rest and then take some onions, add them to the pan. You might add a little bit of butter or, um, you know, there should be some fat in the pan from the sausage anyway. Let the onions cook down. You don't want to cook them too fast uh, because they'll burn. You want to slowly cook them so they can caramelize. And then um, I would take some beef or pork stock, deglaze the pan with that, add a little bit of flour to thicken it up. And then if you need to, you can add the bangers back in to warm them up a little bit and then serve that over the mashed potatoes. Um, So it's a great, it's a very simple dish. Uh, It's often used with leftovers. You know, if you have leftover mashed potatoes, um, it's a great way to use them up.
1: That's great for a leftover show.
2: Yep. I was just about to say that. I was about to say hashtag leftovers. Um, (laughs) Thank you for giving me that. It's so simple. And I find a lot of these recipes tend to be sort of simple right Mm -hmm, Irish mm -hmm. stews you're throwing things together and just letting them do what they do right
3: Irish recipes in particular tend to be simple that for up until recently most people in the country in Ireland actually cooked on a hearth you know they had a fire in a fireplace Mm -hmm. with a pot over it which really restricted the kinds of way you could cook so you did had a lot of stuff that was boiled those potatoes were boiled and then you had a that cast iron thing would be cleaned out and you could, like, fry your bread or whatever. So you had really simple things. You couldn't do a lot of different things at one time. And uh, my mother-in-law cooked on a hearth until she came to the United States. Wow.
0: And some of those fires were, um, you know, over 100 years old where they would never let the fire die because then it was a hassle to start it again. (laughs) So the fire would constantly, even if it was just a couple of embers smoldering, they Mm -hmm. would constantly have the fire going and then... Uh, you know, add fuel to it and get it going to make dinner and then let it die down again overnight. But uh, the fires were perpetually burning for, uh, you know, sometimes over 100 years. There's family stories about that. And it was really only until I think the 70s probably that that started to die out in Ireland, uh, which to us seems so foreign. But yeah, um, many people lived in. Uh, you know, these cottages where there were thatched roofs Mm -hmm. and the walls were made out of cob or um, wattle and daub, which are, you know, like a mud-based kind of thing. And uh, that's how people lived. And
1: I saw that, actually, when I was in Ireland in 2014. My wife and I went on our honeymoon there. Her family is from uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, And we went to the Aran Islands off the coast of Galway. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, they didn't even get power Until the seventies, yeah, and you know the Aran Islands (laughs) are an extreme example because they're so isolated. Well, that made me think of like there are thatch roofs there still, Mm -hmm. and there probably are still people who's using the
3: hearth. Mm -hmm. And if
0: you uh, take the short drive down to East Durham um, in Green County, we have the Michael J Quill Irish Cultural Center, and they have a cottage there that came from Donegal, um, which is a county in Ireland. And uh, you know, on certain days, you can go and you can go into the cottage and. They transported the. They took it apart, transported it here, and then reassembled it. Um, so it's a completely authentic Irish cottage, and it's really interesting to see the hearth and to get an idea of how people were able to make meals for you know sometimes very large families on just this little fire. We like
1: to uh, take stuff apart from the UK and Ireland and bring it over here and reconstruct. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where's the London Bridge somewhere in Arizona or something? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> So this bread, my wife had this when we were in Ireland. She fell in love with it. Um, So how, what is it and how do you make it?
3: Well, it's called Irish brown bread. And it is the everyday loaf of Ireland. It's sold in supermarkets. It's sold in your local bakery. Um, People buy it and keep it in the refrigerator for a day or two. But it will go stale fast if you don't eat it up. So it's buy it, eat it, buy it, eat it. (laughs) Um, It's made with... um, Uh, a soft red flour um, (laughs) that's grime coarse, uh, which is very different than how we're used to bread being made here. I found a really good source of it through King Arthur. They do an Irish-style flour. I haven't found one that makes it as good as that one, (laughs) though I'd like to find uh, another source besides that. Um, So it's primarily that brown flour. I add a little bit of um, wheat germ and um, wheat bran, which just makes it all the more nutritious, puts all the nutrition back into the processed wheat. Um, it's a little bit of butter and um, soda. Uh, butter soda. inside,
0: butter on top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it actually, uh, surprisingly, it has a very small amount of butter. And if you look at some of the recipes for the white soda breads, which most people in America know the white soda mm-hmm. breads oh, yeah. with either caraway seeds or yep. raisins or currants, uh, those recipes have a lot more butter in it. And those were a celebratory bread. You know, uh, the white flour was much more expensive. The butter was expensive. Um, but this has just a couple of tablespoons of butter in the big loaf. And then uh, buttermilk is what moistens the rest of the bread. Right. And it's the acid in the buttermilk that reacts with the baking soda to make it rise. So uh, the buttermilk is pretty crucial. If you use regular milk, it won't have the same effect.
2: Interesting.
3: What's, what's so amazing about it is it is... Almost entirely whole wheat flour. And when we make whole wheat bread here, if you don't do it just right, it comes out like a heavy brick. Have <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you ever tried making whole wheat yeast bread at home? It's I hard. have not. It can be really hard. It's a real skill. This is a very forgiving bread we and, like that. and has all that nutrition of whole wheat.
0: But if you use whole wheat flour that you buy in the grocery store, it will come out way too dense and it won't be the same. You know, the the key is really the Irish style flour that's ground properly. And that's made using the right kind of wheat. You know, most people think flour is flour, but there's red wheats and white wheats. And then there's hard wheats and soft wheats and, um, you know, all of those factors combined to make the the dish successful. Where do you find the Irish um, flour?
3: Um, King Arthur.
2: You uh, order like through them? Order it online. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, as far as the bread is concerned, you mentioned buttermilk. There are so many recipes where I'll see the recipe calls for buttermilk, or people try to make buttermilk using regular milk, and I think it's vinegar. Yeah, you can do that too. Do that? Mm -hmm. Would it still work? Certainly. yeah. Yeah,
0: you can add vinegar or a little bit of lemon juice. Um, you just need some kind of acid. You don't end up tasting the vinegar or the lemon juice, but um, if you don't have buttermilk, if the recipe calls for two cups of buttermilk, you know, adding a tablespoon of vinegar to the milk will do the same thing.
2: And do you let it sit? It Before. works pretty
0: instantly. You know, you just need the acid in there. So, whether yeah. you're a- adding the acid in buttermilk or in vinegar, it, it still works. And the other thing to note is that this Irish style flour, because it has all of the bran and the germ in it still, it has a lot of natural oils in it. So, the processed white flour one of the reasons why they do all of that processing is that the oils can go rancid. So, when you buy white flour in the store, it's been stripped of all of those oils and it'll last for years on the shelf. Uh, with the King Arthur Irish style flour, when you get it, you really should refrigerate it or freeze it to keep those oils from going rancid. And uh, if they do go rancid, you'll know it instantly when you open the bag. <laughs> It'll have this you know, horrible smell. And, um, so that is important and something that people don't think about when storing flour. Uh, you know, most people just put it on the shelf.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those disposable ingredients usually lead to better food. <laughs> oh, yeah, <But> of
3: course. But <laughs> isn't it tasty? I just, I just love that bread. I make yeah. it all the time. Yeah, Yeah, she
1: fell in love with it. So these potato pancakes, are those different than we would have over here?
3: This is the Irish version of potato pancakes, which uh, is in several different cultures. Um, This is made by grating or grounding up fresh potatoes, mixing it with a little bit of flour, sometimes an egg, sometimes not an egg, depending on which part of Ireland you're in. Uh, But basically you make a large pancake, fry it on both sides, cut it into wedges and and serve it that way
0: so the big primary difference between uh, the box and the potato pancakes that you would find in america um, most of our potato pancake culture comes from mainland europe so uh, german-style potato pancakes jewish-style potato pancakes latkes and uh, they usually kind of coarsely grate the potato and uh, it's more like a hash brown really Um, the box the potato is ground very finely Um, Some families add some cooked mashed potato to the mix. Uh, So usually the texture, um, you know, it's more like a breakfast pancake. It's more homogenous on the inside. And uh, when they're freshly fried, they have a nice little bit of crunch on the outside from the frying. And then they're kind of creamy and soft on the inside. So it's a completely different texturally. And usually they're, um, you know, they're not as heavily seasoned, You know, a lot of the potato pancakes uh, have a lot of grated onion or scallion or something like that. Um, Sometimes that's incorporated into box tea, but more often it's just simply salt. Um, I add a little bit of white pepper to it, but that's it.
3: Um, My husband talks about um, making them as a kid, and they would use a box grater with the fine end to get it really fine. We are able to use a food processor now. <laughs> but he said by the time they finish grating all the potatoes, finally, they would be turning gray already. So the boxy we make now is a much prettier color <laughs> than the stuff he grew up on.
1: Do you guys know if there's a difference in food between Northern Ireland and Ireland? Or are they both like the same? There,
3: there are some differences. There's different, just just like uh, New York City where each Right. borough. Each county has a different <laughs> accent. It has its different specialties. The, the same with Ireland. So the Northern Ireland and, and uh, National Ireland, and as well as specific regions within that, have their own specialties. A lot of it is similar. Boxty is something from Northern Ireland and the northernmost counties of Ireland. Um, it's been now popularized in the South, but that's where it originated.
1: Interesting. Because it's so funny because you can just travel... From Ireland to Northern Ireland without even knowing you really. No big (laughs) deal,
3: right. But now in Dublin, which is more in south, there's Gallagher's Boxty House. They've popularized it, and they make dippities where you can get uh, very thin boxty pancakes and have it with all different kinds of dips and served as a whole other kind of special dish.
0: Nice. But those differences are mostly regional anyway. I don't think there's a huge difference between... The British held Northern Ireland and uh, the Republic of Ireland uh, because of the Brits. I think it's, um, you know, there's differences between Eastern and uh, the East Coast of Ireland and the West Coast of Ireland. That's just inherent because of the geography and Mm. um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, what are you guys eating on St. Patrick's
1: Day? <laughs> are you guys going to be tired of this by then? No. <laughs> no,
3: I, no I actually, I never tire of this. As I, I really love it. Um, we're having our corned beef and cabbage in my house <laughs> and, and brown bread. And of course. Probably, and probably colcun, um, uh, which is um, a potato cooked. I remember hearing that over with, there. With, with cabbage and chopped together and done that way as a side dish.
1: Very nice. Well, thanks for coming and sharing these recipes with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Sure. That was Carol Clement, owner and farmer at Heather Ridge Farms, and Chef Rob Handel.
2: This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein-Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood.
1: Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio, and tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.